0: Did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they said? They said another brother's dead. They said he's dead. But he can't be buried They said he's dead But he can't be buried Come on, come on, come on, come on This can't be rain Did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they said? They said they shot him in his head Shot in the head To save his country A Shot in the head Hey, come on, come on, come on, come on This can't be real Did you hear what they said? they say about his mother
1: Welcome to Great Speeches and Interviews on Access Sacramento and The Voice. I'm Steve Lerman. Today's program starts with what does a police state look like? Police officer Adrian Schoolcraft secretly recorded his supervisors telling officers to manipulate crime statistics and make illegal arrests. The Village Voice series that broke Schoolcraft's story was written by Graham Raymond. I'm Ira Glass. And in our show today, we have two stories that have a lot in common, but to explain the many things they have in common right here and now would reveal so many spoilers that I'm going to say very little. Rather than do the kind of introduction I usually do right here, all I'm going to say is that each of these stories centers around some guy And the guy in each story has the right to remain silent, and he does not exercise that right. Like they say in the movies, he could take the easy way or he could take the hard way, and each of these guys goes way out of his way to take the hard way, not totally realizing what he's getting into. And let's just get right to it. Act one, first rule of the Apple store, don't talk about the Apple store. At some point or another, you've probably known somebody like this, somebody who can't resist the urge to talk back. Not out of principle, but out of sheer chemical instinct. It's built into his personality. That's the guy in this first story. Ben Calhoun's a reporter. The guy in this story, and he tell you this himself
2: he's a sarcastic jerk he's honest that way he'll say he has no filter he has foot and mouth disease he's a loud mouth a big mouth like this is how he described getting kicked out of catholic high school during his sophomore year
3: i cursed at a nun my english teacher was a nun and uh one day she's screaming at me like we all know you're just some little thug hoodlum and i was like we all know you're a bitch and uh they were like you can't go to school here anymore And I thought that was kind of ironic Because they preach forgiveness
2: So like what are some other instances Where being like Being me got me in trouble Yeah Yeah, well just like mouthing off got you in in trouble Every
3: day I got tons from like the army I got tons from high schools I got tons from The current school I got relationships My parents I don't know like I'm mouthing
2: the mouthy guy is a guy named Joe LaPari and i should probably say this part of joe's personality it doesn't always play badly for joe like when he was in the army Joe talked back to a drill sergeant who was telling him to cut off his sideburns. Joe recited the military regulations on sideburn length from memory, which made the sergeant mad but won over his battalion commander, who became a friend and mentor for Joe. Joe also does stand-up comedy where mouthiness is encouraged. But those things, the good things, that's not why we're here. This thing that happened to Joe, it started in September of 2009, when Joe needed a new cell phone.
3: I switched to the iPhone with all my friends. We thought we were cool, and mine just never worked. It would freeze, it would shut off, It would. I would charge it, and then it would, I would take it off the charger, and immediately the battery would be like empty of power,
2: and it would just do all the things a computer should not do. So Joe made an appointment and went to the Apple store. The staff did something they said should fix the problem, and if it didn't, they said, look, just bring it back and we'll give you a totally new phone. The next day, the phone crashed on him. Again.
3: So right after work, I just go to the Apple store.
2: Get down there, and
3: that place is a zoo. It's a, it's a really pretty zoo. And so you get in there, and you know, walk up to the you know concierge, or they, you know, that checks you in and stuff at the Apple Store, the guy in the teal shirt, and. Yeah. Anytime I go up to any employee at a store, I, I always because I've worked in retail many times, you know, growing up and, and whatever else. I, I'm always very nice. Like, hey, how's it going? How you doing? Having a good day? You know, and, and he's like, you know, what can I do for you? I was like, I was here yesterday. My phone was broken. They told me to, if I come back with it broken again, they'll just switch it out and give me a new phone. The guy said, do you have an appointment? I said, no. You know, I was here yesterday. They, they gave me the impression that just come in and it's good to go. And he said, "Well, you know, we're kind of busy. It's going to be probably
2: about a two-hour wait." I'm like, "Cool. I have a book. I'm going to go sit over here." So, 30 minutes go by. 45 minutes. An hour. Finally, 90 minutes. 90 minutes, and I'm like, i
0: was
3: like, they got to be calling me soon." And I just went up and be like, "Look, you know, it's been about two hours. Are we getting any closer to, to me getting up there?" So he looks me up. He's like, "Oh, it's probably going to be about a two-hour wait." I'm like, "I've already been here for two hours. There's no way I'm waiting for four hours." He's like, "Well, if you had an appointment, this wouldn't happen. That's what appointments are for. You get the appointment, and then you get seen." And I was like, slowly roll.
2: (laughs) And I, like, shoved something off the table, and I stormed out. Joe hopped the subway home to Queens, and the whole way back, even after he got home, he couldn't stop thinking about it.
3: How can I spend $600 for a thing that does not work? I don't make a lot of money. And uh, so, you know, I was kind of steaming, you know. Smoking a little pot like you do. It's, it's medicinal, you know, I promise. And uh, I was watching Fight Club. What? Fight Club was on TV.
2: I want you to hit me as hard as you
4: can.
3: And I, I was just, you know, watching you Fight Club, about. chilling I'm out, there. trying to calm myself down. Come on,
2: hit me so Joe's on his couch, a big, puffy boat of a couch that presumably used to be white. Really. Joe has his laptop. He's distracting himself by looking at Facebook. Okay. And like he said, he's watching Fight Club. And uh, the scene
3: from Fight Club comes on where, where Ed Norton's boss where in walks in laptop. with a piece of paper and he's like, oh, I found this on a copy machine. First, First rule of Fight Club, of fight Club, is, Club is, second is, rule of Fight Club like, talk about fight do you know anything about this?
2: Well, I gotta tell you, I'd be very, very careful who you talk to about that, because the person who wrote that is dangerous. And this button-down, Oxford cloth psycho might just snap and then stalk from office to office with an Armalite AR-10 carbine gas-powered semi-automatic weapon pumping round after round in the colleagues and co-workers. This might be someone you've known for years. Someone
4: very, very close to you.
3: I Tyler's kind of took it and paraphrased it a little bit, and my status was... Joe's
2: status on Facebook.
3: <laughs> and I'm reading it here. Joe Lepari might walk into an Apple store on Fifth Avenue with an Armalite AR-10 gas-powered semi-automatic weapon and pump round after round into one of those smug, fruity little concierges. This may be someone you've known for years, someone very, very close to you.
2: Just so you know, I did ask Joe about his use of the word fruity here, and he told me and that and no, Joe it was not homophobic. He was just trying to know. describe the guy's demeanor.
3: Uh, no, I'm the least homo- I Like, I have a gay cousin. I, I'm the least homophobic person in the world.
2: In any case, he types this thing into Facebook and he posts it, and that's that. For like an hour, he just sits there, feet on the coffee table.
3: And I get a, a, a like a shave and a haircut, two bits, knock on the door, and I just think, hey,
2: One of my buddies got in, didn't have to buzz, great. Joe jumps up, goes to the front door.
3: Uh, yeah, without even without even looking through the peephole, I swing the door open, kind of go to lean on the you know the door jamb, and that's when I see that there's an officer here standing right in front of the door, two behind him, and one at the top of the stairs, like covering the high ground. (laughs)
2: these weren't regular uniform cops they were the guys in street clothes the guys with black bulletproof vests one of them had a machine gun oh you know guns drawn badges out you know cliche policeman
3: sunglasses you know the whole nine yards and uh you know the guy at the door is like are you joe lapari and i was like uh yeah (laughs) well you seem pretty nervous joe well not every day a guy with an mp5 is knocking on my door what can i do for you
2: is everything okay and uh (laughs) he's like well you seem to know a lot about guns it's worth stopping here There was a perfectly good explanation for why Joe could identify the officer's machine gun, something called an MP5. Remember, Joe was in the military. He was a marksman in the army. And he could have said that. He probably should have said it. But of course, he didn't. Me being a sarcastic jerk, I go, well, I I watch a lot of Bond movies, (laughs) which I giggle and they don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what the officers did do then was search Joe's apartment. And they were asking him all kinds of confusing questions, like about explosives. And Joe, he was trying to figure out why they were there in the first place.
3: During that, like the week or two before, they had caught some terrorist or a wannabe terrorist in Queens. So maybe something in my building, something in the neighborhood. I, I, I had no idea. I'm just trying to diffuse the situation, like kind of make jokes, kind of try and show these guys like I'm not trouble. You know, I, I couldn't be any further from it
1: great speeches and interviews is your source for in-depth information about the economy foreign peace climate change and more now with more speeches and more interviews than the leading brand also contains tasty tidbits of humor and song fortified with more debates than the other brands and all comparisons are fictional broadcast on sunday from 6 to 8 p.m on kubu 96.5 fm
5: Laura, Dad, Mommy, I'm uh, I'm all glad that you're here. I've been meaning to talk to you, sort of a family conversation about all these calls and articles for me to not bomb Afghanistan during Ramadan. Well, son, of course it's your decision. I'd just like to say that if you stop bombing, I, I think it'd be bad. Bad. Let me tell you a little story about the Tet Offensive. <laughs> Dad, I'd appreciate you not using such language in front of the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> that was Tet Offensive, son. Well, anyway, yeah, if you don't laugh at this stuff... If you don't laugh, the terrorists have already won. (laughs) You see, son, the tat, the Vietnamese New Year. Uh, I knew that. (laughs) Well, but basically, uh, I think I understand what you're saying. I'm gonna get that guy who did us wrong. The war on terror won't take holidays. Yeah. Who'll drop the bomb during Ramadan? Who'll stop the fun of their fundamental sing song? Who'll drop the food on la Who'll drop the bags full of spam and ham and ding-dongs? The Taliban is gonna hit the fan! And this won't be another Vietnam yeah. When my Laura said, you? This news is gonna trouble you It was time for taking off the gloves And when my mom was saying Finish a kid, don't do like your daddy did. Now it's time for Bush to come to shove. So I'll drop a bomb during Ramadan, Ramadan. he'll stop the fun of their fundamental sing song. I'll drop the food on la We'll drop the bags full of spam and ham and ding dongs. Oh, Sama will fail, but he won't go to jail will sentence him to handle u.s mail
1: and now back to what does a police state look like
2: also remember while all this is going on joe is high cops with machine guns are all over his apartment pulling out drawers and tearing things apart he has no idea why and he's totally stoned well the one cop Points at the marijuana
3: on the on the coffee table, kind of snickers, and, and the other one is like, Well, are you a big fan of the reefer?" I said, like, "Oh, you know, I kind of go through phases." <laughs> it's a stressful day, and uh, you know, they two of them go looking around, and the, the one kind of stays back with me, and he tries to like buddy buddy with me. And he's like, he goes, uh, he's like, "Yeah, I understand. Uh, I used to be an alcoholic." <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, "Well, it's not really the same thing, but uh, but all right." And then one cop, uh, comes back, he's like, do you know what an AR-10 is? And I was like, is that why you're here? Like, I was, like, almost dumb like, how, in my mind, I'm like, how in the hell are the cops here because of Facebook, <laughs> of all the dumb things I've done in my life? It's a, it's a joke, it's a quote from a movie, guy, the movie's on in the other room, like, I can rewind it if you like. And then, uh... The the one cop was like, well, you know, we need to take you downtown for questioning. You know, Homeland
2: Security wants to talk to you. I was like, really? The cops escorted Joe downstairs, and he saw that they weren't alone. They'd actually brought backup. There were two extra police cars with officers waiting, like in case the guys with the bulletproof vests and the machine gun needed help. They took Joe to a station in Queens and threw him into an interrogation room.
3: Like in Batman, where they leave the Joker, the same thing. Like, you know, all blank walls, one mirror, which is probably a two-way, and, you know, crappy table, crappy chairs, and one guy offers you coffee. And I'm in the interrogating room for a good three, three and a half hours, just different people questioning me, like taking turns with me. Good cop, bad cop, bad cop, bad
2: cop, good cop, good cop. Joe was sure once he explained the situation, they'd see it was a mistake and everything would shake out. It wasn't until four months later that Joe understood he was in serious trouble. I brought a copy of the court records to our interview. Um, Those those are the actual charges against you.
3: A PL 240-60 and a PL 490-20. The one is make terroristic threats. And the second one is false report of a public building or place.
2: Just to clarify, because it is a little bit confusing, Joe is charged with two felonies, including making a terrorist threat. Joe says even today, he's still not sure how something he posted on Facebook got him arrested. A popular theory with Joe's friends and family is that Facebook rummages through people's pages, flags stuff, and tips off law enforcement. Well, I called Facebook. A spokesperson said flat out, quote, Facebook did not bring this to the attention of law enforcement. Facebook's policy is that they only turn over user content when law enforcement approaches them. And even then, only in extreme situations, like when a child is abducted. Looking at the court records, the actual answer about how the police got tipped off seems to be much more mundane and, frankly, kind of unflattering for Joe. The police report originated in Hawthorne, New Jersey, one town over from where Joe grew up, which means it was probably someone Joe knew who did this, someone who just dislikes him enough to report him for no reason, or someone who actually thought he might do it. He had his first court date for all this in January, on the 15th, a Friday.
3: When the DA gets up, or the DA's assistant, or assistant DA, whatever, whatever you call them, gets up and reads in front of the judge, reads the charges, and then reads the quote aloud in the courtroom. <laughs> and you could just hear everyone, like, feel everyone in the courtroom sink. Like, like you hear a pin drop. Like, in retrospect, it, it sounds bad. And the judge even looked at me with a weird look. And, and I start giggling <laughs> when it gets to, like, uh, you know, the AR-10. Like, I giggle. the DA, the ADA was like, uh, you know, the people understand that Mr. Lepari is a comedian and what he said is a benefit of his friends. And, And so right there, I'm like, so why are we even here if you understand it? You know, why? If you understand I'm just a schmuck that doesn't know when to keep his mouth shut, why are we here?
2: Since then, Joe's been to court more than half a dozen times over this. And from the sound of it, he hasn't been making things any easier for himself. By his own account, he's given one or two speeches about the Constitution and about how the terrorists have won. Not exactly one to dress for court, Joe recently got scolded for wearing Hawaiian shorts in the courtroom. Joe pointed to the guy next to him and said, that guy's wearing sweatpants. This brings us to what might actually be the most remarkable thing about Joe's whole story, which is this. Most of us learn at some point in our lives that we shouldn't always say whatever impulsive thing we feel like saying. And if we didn't learn that lesson by getting in trouble in school or making someone cry, the day the cops showed up at our door with machine guns, or the day we had to stand up in court and face felony terrorism charges over a broken cell phone, those things would be a red light where we would stop and reevaluate. But has Joe reevaluated? Considered whether his life would be easier if he changed?
3: No, I don't think so. I I mean, I haven't yet. I, I haven't... No, yeah, I don't I don't think I'm I've ever gotten to a point where I'm like, Oh man, let me change who I am. No, absolutely not. I, I don't I can't. I don't I don't know how. <laughs> Even if I wanted to like shut my mouth more often, I don't think I, I don't think I have the facilities to do so. Why not? Uh I don't know. I just, I can't. I don't want to. I I don't even, I don't want to. Because some of the the people who love me, love me for that. The people who hate me, hate me for that. So why am I going to worry about the people who hate me and not the people who love me?
2: In the last few months, the district attorney's office offered Joe a number of plea deals. Joe rejected all of them. Finally, Joe went back to court again. And it seems he kind of won. He's got what's called an adjournment and contemplation of dismissal, which essentially means his case is on ice for the next six months. And then the prosecutors will drop the charges against him. There is, of course, one hitch to all that. One thing that could ruin this and put Joe right back on the hook. During the next six months, Joe's got to stay out of trouble.
1: Ben Calhoun is one of the producers of our program. This story was first broadcast back in 2010. Shortly after that, the charges against Joe were dismissed. Coming up, another guy who's got no problem standing up to the police, though in his case, it is because he is the police. That's in a minute from Chicago Public Radio and Public Radio International when our program continues.
4: Because this is where they buy the politicians. Because This is where power has its seat Because 99% of us are suffering At the mercy of the madmen on this street
0: Because all of us are victims of class warfare Being waged on us
4: by the 1% Because these greedy banksters rob the country Leaving us without the means to pay the rent Because the last time that we had a decent government was about 1932 Because we the people are supposed to run this country But instead it's all run by and for the few Because now we know the rich do not pay taxes But when they need a hand, it's us who bail them out Because we suspected we lived in a plutocracy But suddenly, of late there is no doubt So we're gonna stay right Right here Because both my parents lost their seeds Because I have never opened an account Because the interest on my credit card just doubled And now I can't pay the minimum amount Because these budget cuts are just immoral That our schools as overcrowded as they are Because there are no buses where I live But I can't afford to drive a car Because so many of us don't have health insurance The rest of us have it, but it sucks Because the rich are flying in their private jets While the rest of us are slogging through the muck Because capitalism isn't working This system has just failed to produce Because the 1% are prospering While the rest of us just suffer their abuse So we're gonna stay right Because It is a demonstrated amply that the winners are the ones who stick around. Because this world should belong to everyone, not just the banksters who would smash it to the ground. Because we've noticed folding doesn't change things when the politicians are mostly millionaires. Because we're learning how to stand up like Tunisians, like they did in Tahrir Square. Very young Mohammed was easy. Struck a match that lit up all the earth. And all around the world the spell was broken. And a movement for the future was in birth. Because there's only so much the rich can feed us. Before we figure out which side we're on. Because we've learned if we want our liberation. It will only come if we stay here till the rising of the dawn. So we're gonna stay. Right here, we're going to stay right here because corporations are not people, and we can't just let them choose because. If we leave our fate to them, then all of us will surely lose. Because the climate clock is ticking, and we can't just leave our world behind. Because corporate rule isn't working, and it's time for humans' hearts and minds. Because you can't take it with you, because the rich just do not care, because it's doesn't matter how much you make, but how much you can share. Because these moments don't come often. Because we want truly to be free. Because we know what really matters. Something called society.
1: So we're going to stay right here. And now, messages from Access Sacramento.